the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is every bit of that. Good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. As uh, we get underway on a Friday, a free-for-all Friday, the 17th morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Really, really looking forward to a great conversation with you today. Free-for-all is a special day, of course. It means we try to limit the guests to none or just maybe one, and that's what we've done today. So we have more time for your phone calls on the issues that matter most to you. Some of the subjects, topics we've discussed this week you want to get in on, revive those conversations. We can do that. If there's something we have not talked about that you feel like we should, we can do that, too. I have one guest at 10.05. Chris Barron will join us. He's the president of Right Turn Strategies. By the way, I love the name of that company. He was uh, present. He was in the room with the president uh, yesterday when he, uh, President Trump, unveiled the uh, immigration proposal, his new immigration proposal to try to find a way to deal with what is unquestionably an emergency and a crisis at our southern border. So he was at the briefing yesterday. He was also a media surrogate for the Trump campaign in 2016. So uh, Chris Barron's going to join us to talk uh, about those uh, points. And by the way, the White House is doing a pretty good job, I think, of publicizing the president's point. Um, if you look at the WhitehouseGov website, there's a great uh, article here. Just it, it, it's the nuts and, and bolts of it. You know, uh, it's it's not really a lot of fluff. It's just the straight up. Here's the plan. Achieving two crucial goals, to stop illegal immigration for good by fully securing the border, and secondly, to establish new immigration, a new immigration system for legal immig- immigrants that will protect American wages, promote American values, and attract the best and brightest talent from across the globe. The plan was not developed by politicians. It was designed with significant input, said the president, from our law enforcement professionals as well. That's huge. That's huge. And the rundown of the most important proposals from the president's speech available for your consumption as well. 
And again, this is what I'm going to talk to our guest about coming up at uh, 10.05, so I'm not going to get too in-depth on this now. But this is what it is. The uh, the um, president's proposals would create a permanent self-sustaining border security trust fund for law enforcement financed with fees collected at the border crossings themselves. Two, it would restore integrity to the broken asylum process by expediting relief for legitimate asylum seekers and sending those who abuse the system home immediately. No more catch and release. Three, it would modernize the dysfunctional legal immigration process by increasing the number of legal immigrants selected based on skill or merit from 12% to 57%. Four, it would prior prior prioritize excuse me the immediate family of new immigrants, spouses, and children by moving them to the front of the line over distant relatives who use family claims as a tool to get ahead in the queue. And finally, it would establish a standard universal points-based criteria for admission to the U.S., no matter where you were born or to whom you are related. Uh, I am assuming that with all of that language, it eliminates the visa diversity lottery, which absolutely must go. I mean, think about that. In 2019, in this year, with all of our technology, with all of our ability to do, I don't know, anything and everything, we're still picking names out of a hat to see who gets to come to the United States. No matter what part of the world they're from, no matter what country they're from, if they're a country that is a foreign adversary of the United States that is not necessarily interested in our best interests, not interested in our um, uh, success, we don't know who these people are, if they're coming over to do good, if they're coming over to do harm, if they're coming over to do anything at all. Random, <laughs> random drawings out of a hat or a drum, essentially. It's just, no, 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 no. Not in 2019. That cannot be anymore. So I want your thoughts on that. The president's uh, a plan that was uh, released in some detail yesterday. I just gave you, like I said, the kind of the nuts and bolts of it. Not a ton of details. This is just the the hardware. Uh, but I want to know how you feel about that. It's one of the issues that we are going to get into today. Another one I want to hit top of the hour, or excuse me, top of the uh, mind here in the first uh, hour of the program. I- I'm still sitting here trying to figure out what an adversity score is. This is mind blowing. I- I'm not kidding you. This is just uh, this is just incredible. The College Board, which is the organization that it, that uh, that uh, gives the uh, SAT tests, right? They're the ones who run the show, which, of course, is a huge, huge part of determining who gets into college, what your SAT score is, what your ACT score is, and so on and so forth. Now, the SAT and the ACT are predominantly just measures of what you know, what your learning abilities are. I shouldn't say it's more a measure of what you know. It's not an IQ test. An IQ test is uh, to determine, you know, how well your brain works, how well it can problem solve. It's not about memorization of facts, formulas, g- rules of grammar, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The SAT and the ACT are just that. They are let's see what you've learned and let's see how much you how much you know and how perhaps ready you would be to handle collegiate coursework. It doesn't take into account what your feelings are. It doesn't take into account where you grew up. It doesn't take into account how many parents you had in the house. It doesn't take into account what your color is. Well, it didn't until now. 
Now it takes into account all of those things. You know, I've talked on this program before about certain people and certain programs that we'll talk about, and, and you're just astounded by the position that they've taken on something. And I'll use the phrase, they're trying to score more woke points with the base, with the liberal or progressive base. They're trying to score more woke points. We are woke. You know, the Cleveland, well, no, I don't want to do that one. No, it's a bad example. Um, I, I have several examples here, but, but basically it's when liberals try to out-liberal one another. We are more woke than you are. We are more woke than the average progressive bear is. We are more woke, meaning we are so in tune with social justice, and we are so in tune with the LGBTQ mafia agenda. We are so in tune with Black Lives Matter. We are so in tune with feminism and equal pay. I mean, all of the different woke categories, right? We, it's a, just a general euphemism when I say they're scoring more woke points. Now there are actually woke points. There are points that are being added to your SAT score based on the adversity <laughs> in which you grew up, the adversity, adversity you faced uh, as you grew up and, uh, and got toward the college years. You get points if you had to suffer if you had to be victimized by more things than other people. In other words, if there was more wokeness surrounding you, you get more points. Uh, It's crazy, but it's real. Some kinds of adversity are going to be more adverse than others, by the way, according to the College Board. The Wall Street Journal yesterday reported on this for the first time. SAT to give students adversity score to capture social and economic background. Adversity scores. Used to be if you lived in a bad neighborhood, you might have uh, your kids move in with a relative in the suburbs or feeling that, even come up with a phony mattress address, whatever it took so they could have the advantage of going to a better better school, living in a safe neighborhood. Now the college board is going to give lesser qualified students an edge over more qualified students because of the adversity that they have supposedly suffered. Wait, what? What kinds of adversity are we talking about here? Well, we're talking about some of the things that I just mentioned. We're talking about your uh, your uh, economic uh, situation of your family. We're talking about your skin color. (laughs) We're talking about uh, the uh, number of of poor people that live in your neighborhood. We're talking about, I mean, I, I, I wish I could read the entire story to you, but I can't. It's just too in-depth, and it's too impossible. There are 15 total factors. Crime rate in your neighborhood, poverty level in your student's high school and neighborhood, percentage of students in your school who are using the free lunch program. All of these kinds of things would indicate the adversity that you had to withstand in order to succeed and achieve. They're going to bump your scores up if life was a little harder for you And it doesn't matter if you're more prepared for college than someone else or not. That someone else who might score really high on the SAT but doesn't have enough woke points, doesn't have a high enough adversity score, isn't going to get the break, isn't going to get the admission into school. Um, Fifty colleges used this last year as part of a beta test. The college board plans to expand it to 150 institutions this fall, and then use it broadly the following year. How colleges consider a student's race and class in making admissions decisions is hotly contested. Many colleges, including Harvard, 
say a uh, diverse student body is part of the educational mission of a school. A lawsuit accusing Harvard of of discriminating against Asian American applicants by holding them to higher standards, by the way, is awaiting a judge's ruling. This is taking that and putting that on proverbial steroids. If you are a highly accomplished student, but you didn't face enough adversity in being accomplished, if you didn't score enough of the woke points, if you didn't surround yourself with enough poverty and crime and and drugs and so many other things, then, well, that was easy for you. You can't reward you with a place in this freshman class when you had a 1490 on your SAT. Because it was easy for you. You didn't face the adversity. This person over here who's only scored 1150, well, yeah, it's a lot lower score, but look at the adversity score. It's through the roof. Wokeness dictates. Diversity dictates that she or he get the spot in the freshman class. I mean, whatever happened to equality, being everybody is treated equally, rather than some people being... Animal Farm, more equal than others. And that's exactly what this does. Howie Carr in the Boston Herald going off on this a little bit. What does the Metco, uh, the uh, reverse Metco program start, or when does it start, rather, to place suburban kids in crappy city high schools to boost their adversity scores? Because that's what's going to happen. You're going to have people living in you know, middle-class suburbs saying, Shoot, my kid isn't going to be able to compete with those kids in the uh, in the in the inner city schools when it comes to their college acceptance. I got to move to a place where uh, they have a better woke score. I got to move into a more crime ridden area. I got to move to a more impoverished area. I don't know. Maybe my you know, if you're a woman, the husband should move out because single parent household. That's another adversity score. If you were raised only by a single mom, dad, move on out. At least during the high school years, we need a higher diversity score on the SAT. This is what they're doing. This is just incredible. How many extra points will the college board give you for a tattoo? If you've been pregnant as a teenager, that's got to be worth some points. And by the way, what gets more adversity points? Being pregnant and going to full term or being woke enough to go have an abortion. That's a lot of adversity there particularly for the baby that you kill. But that's got to be worth some extra points. Suddenly the SAT score is getting higher and higher and higher. This is, Howie Carr writes, just another scam to get around that terrible word, meritocracy. You know, taking, taking, in, stu- taking in rather students or job applicants based on their qualifications, based on their merit as opposed to their status in the ever-evolving hierarchy of political correctness or wokeness or victimhood. Remember, I told you this a long while ago as well on this program. This is a race to see who can be more victimized. And that's what the SAT, the College Board, has done here. We're, the more victimhood statuses you can claim, the, the, the more breaks you are given. That's why you see, that's why Jussie Smollett in Chicago did what he did. I've got to make myself more of a victim so that I can get more publicity and get better roles. I got, I, I need everybody to feel sorry for me. Victimhood is so powerful in 2019 America, thanks to the progressive movement. Jussie Smollett said, I know what I'll do. 
I'll fake a hate crime. I'll make a believe a, a couple of white Trump supporters beat me up for being black and gay. And oh my God, I will be the celebrity on Twitter. Black Twitter, gay Twitter, Hollywood Twitter is going to come rushing to my defense because I was victimized in the worst way by hate, Trump-style hate, and watch my career blossom from there. That's what he did. And that's why he did it. And, it's, and that's why the idiot prosecutor dropped everything and let him go, because she knew it was going to be pointed out that way in trial, if it went to trial. She was. The prosecutor was his defense attorney. I don't want to get too far off into the weeds there, but you understand, that's all of these examples of people claiming I was victimized. Why? And the reason why, that's why the Masterpiece Cake Shop story exists. That's why all of those stories that we talk about, particularly that the Alliance Defending Freedom are dealing with, that's why they exist. Everybody is going into a place where they can claim, I was abused, I was victimized because of my race, because of my ethnicity, because of my language, because of my sexual orientation, because of my gender, because of my non-gender, because of my two genders, because of my 64 genders. I have been victimized, therefore, the, this society owes me. And now it's becoming official. They're awarding points for all of the victimization in the form of what they call the adversity score. Friends, I'm almost at a loss. I know I've been talking about it for 15 minutes, but I'm almost at a loss of what to say about it because this cannot be happening. Help me out. Dial me up. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Dial now. Get on the program. We'll talk about it together. If you want to tweet to me or Facebook to me, do that. France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, France Radio. One word, no spaces, no underscores. I'll read the best ones on the air. Somebody's got to help me make sense of this on AM 1420 The Edge. Let's uh, continue on AM 1420, The Answer. I told you it's free-for-all Friday, but I do have a, top, uh, a couple of top stories that I wanted to lay on you. You just heard some of them. So let's go to uh, Mark, who's waiting in Fairview Park. Mark, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Happy free-for-all Friday to you. Go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. Uh, you know, I got up today. I'm, re- I'm really disappointed by the fact that we lost control of the Congress. And uh, there's many reasons, but two in particular. I was listening to Dr. Gorka the other day. He was playing a cut from this Ortiz's uh, uh, discombobulated, uh, confused extrapolation of uh, climate change. And it was so ridiculous and, and so childish that before I knew who it was, I thought it was one of these third graders they brought out. They bring out once in a while to spout something that uh, maybe their school teacher taught them to say or whatever. And I was just stunned, you know, just stunned that this was a congresswoman. Second reason, I was just watching on the news here, I just saw that uh, Pelosi is calling President Trump's merit-based uh, immigration plan condescending. Uh, I guess she wants to fill up uh, uh, the streets of L.A., Portland, Seattle, and all the parks and everything to an overflow stage. And uh, They're already there. As, as though it's not bad enough now. Yeah, it's already overflow in all of those places, in all of those liberal cities. There's no doubt, there's no mistake. Look, what she wants, Mark, she doesn't like the idea of having uh, intelligent people come to this country uh, through the immigra- legal immigration process where they can come and add to uh, you know tech- technology or add to manufacturing, add to industry, add whatever the you know uh, benefits that they can bring research and so on and so forth because these people are intelligent and intelligent people don't vote 
Democrat. They can't be manipulated with promises of subsidies because they're going to make it on their own. They want to import, by way of legal or illegal immigration, as many poor, non-English-speaking, low-skill-to-no-skilled types of individuals as possible. Because when they get here... Then they do the same thing they've been doing to black Americans uh, and Hispanic uh, uh, Americans uh, and and other legal uh, visitors and residents for so long. And that is, say, you want something, you got to come to us. You need help on your housing, come to us. We'll subsidize. You need food, we've got the EBT cards. We will hook you up with all of those things. And all you got to do is vote for us to keep it coming. Intelligent people coming into the United States? College-educated people, people with skills, a merit-based immigration system, they're not going to need the handouts of the federal government offered by the Democrats. They're going to be able to make their own way. And those people almost always end up becoming what? Capitalist-supporting conservatives. Capitalism-supporting conservatives. I can make my own way. I am upwardly mobile on my own. I don't need your handouts. Who do you think I am? And no, I won't vote for you in order for you to give me something extra. That's why Nancy Pelosi called it condescending. The left hates the idea of people coming here who don't need them. The, they, re, they require a reservation. They require a plantation of people who are still systemically enslaved to them. Back after this on AM 1420, The Answer. 9.35, onward we roll on this Free For All Friday on the Bob France Authority. Thanks for joining us. Again, I've got one guest who's going to be joining us coming up at the top of the next hour. And uh, that conversation is going to be about President Trump's immigration proposal uh, revealed at a briefing yesterday. And uh, I'm looking forward to that conversation. We're going to talk with uh, uh, a guy who's the president of Right Turn Strategies. I love the name of that. His name is Chris Barron. He was one of the. Uh, he was also a Trump media surrogate in 2016 during the campaign. But he was one of the. Uh, uh, individuals in the briefing yesterday, so he's got some real up-close and personal first-hand accounts to tell us about what this whole thing is all about. But before then, and after then, it's free-for-all. Anything you want to talk about, I have been talking about the diversity, excuse me, the um, diversity quotient. I just I almost renamed it the adversity score, the diversity quotient, because that's what it is. It's all about getting more diversity. It's don't Don't mistake this for anything other than what it is. This is just the newest example of affirmative action. Ken sent me an email saying that, too. He's right. The adversity score is the new modern, up-to-date, progressive socialist form of affirmative action. Welcome to the new world order. Ken is right. This is just a new way to say we got to diversify the campus. We have to make sure that our student body reflects a certain percentage of people from all different walks of life, in in particular people of various races. I can tell you this. And this is why Harvard got in so much trouble, and they're, got, they're about to be smacked in that lawsuit because they were discriminating against Asian Americans. Asian Americans are outscoring everybody, or just Asians coming to the United States. It might not even, might not even be Asian Americans. Asians coming here to study. They're outscoring everybody, outscoring Latinos, blacks, whites, and taking up a, according to Harvard, an unacceptable percentage of the incoming student classes at Harvard. So they started discriminating against Asians, saying we got too many of them, and they were Asians turned away with much higher scores and much better qualifications to be accepted to Harvard than people who weren't. 
And so you got people in, in this affirmative action. We've talked about it ad nauseum on the program over the last five years. You've probably heard other people talking about it longer, including Larry Elder. But, um, you know, this is bad for everybody, including minorities who happen to be given those free passes into elite schools, despite not having the ability to compete in them, to actually get the grades. They end up flunking out, or they end up getting C's and D's. And that doesn't, that GPA doesn't help them get that job or that career that they wanted. Whereas if they had not been forced into a system, into a university rather by a system of affirmative action, they might have gone to a different school that is a little less challenging than a Harvard and may have gotten A's and B's. Great GPA, got a degree, on your way to do great things. They think they're helping these people by giving them these diverse, or excuse me, adversity points. The diversity quotient. And they're not. The only thing they're doing is hurting qualified applicants, qualified would-be students uh, at universities who scored higher, who then get dismissed because you didn't struggle enough. How dare you? How dare you put your 1490 against that person's 1140? You obviously had it easy. You had privilege. You had white privilege. You had non-drug-using mother privilege. You had non-crime statistics in your area privilege. You didn't have to go through all this. This other person did, so therefore you go to a different school. You go to a a lower-quality school despite your higher score, and we're going to put this person who isn't as good as you are, but they suffered more growing up. They had more adversity. We're going to give them your spot in the uh, freshman class. This, This just can't happen. It just cannot happen. Um, back to the Boston Herald real quick before I go back to your phone calls. Now that the Varsity Blues racket has been busted, how long until the new and improved college admissions grift comes along? No more pretending to be a member of the crew team or a football place kicker. The new Rick Singers will be posing with the little uh, uh, poor little rich kids outside graffiti-scarred shuttered storefronts in the inner city swing, swinging on a 40-ouncer. How many more extra points will the college board give you for a tattoo for a teenage pregnancy? I read you that part. Sorry. Uh, this is another scam to get around the term meritocracy. A college counselor at a suburban Chicago school bluntly told the newspaper, the Wall Street Journal, who reported on this, what kinds of students are truly facing adversity in the modern admissions process. Quote, do I feel minority students have been discriminated against? Yes, I do, but I see the reverse of it happening now, end quote. And that's exactly correct. Now, because victimization is what everybody is looking at and giving woke points to and victim points to certain people, if you don't have enough of them, you are being discriminated against. You grew up in a nice house, your mom and dad, you went to church every Sunday, uh, you, 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 know, you got good grades, you got a great SAT score, you should be able to write your ticket to whatever school you want to go to. Nope. Because it was too easy for you. You didn't struggle enough. This is the college board essentially saying, if you weren't down with the struggle or for the struggle, uh, we're not interested in you. This is not a new phenomenon, the Boston Herald says. Why do you think Elizabeth Warren became a fake Indian 30 years ago? Why did Barack Obama claim to have been born in Indonesia in his book sell sheet when he was an unknown trying to peddle his memoirs? These frauds are what the federal uh, lawsuit against Harvard is all about. A century ago, Harvard had quotas to hold down the number of Jewish students. Now they have quotas against Asians. Asians score on average 100 points above whites. Whites score 133 points above Hispanics and 177 above blacks. High SAT scores, the ultimate adversity, 
at least if you're a member of the non-protected ethnic class that the Ivy League is deemed worthy of the of adverse impact. Remember Harvard's defense against their academic, I love this phrase, academic apartheid, apartheid. They produced an Asian student with a mediocre high school record. Look, they said, we let this guy in. I read the filing and was puzzled why he had been accepted until I got to the part where the kid said he had struggled with his uh, with uncertainty about his sexual identity. He got in because he said he wasn't sure if he was a male or a female. That's a struggle. We're going to let that one in. That adds to the diversity quotient we're talking about. How many notches did that uncertainty about his sexuality uh, push him up on the PC totem pole? There's going to be other certain types of adversity. They're not going to uh, account for as much um, uh, on uh, what they're calling a true 1984-style euphemism, the environmental context dashboard. Here's some of the diversity the college board doesn't care a whit about. Coming from an evangelical or Roman Catholic background, having at least one family member serving in the military, rural background, being raised in a trailer park, having two parents, both of whom work, never having qualified for a free school lunch or breakfast or dinner. In other words, deplorables need not apply. Same as it ever was. Nothing more than a con against working class kids. Uh, let me get to the phones. 216-901-0945, An amazing, just an amazing turn here. Jan is in uh, Greater Cleveland. Hi, Jan, you're on the air. Go ahead. Okay, hi. Uh, you know, Buttigieg has a good chance uh, of uh, getting extra votes because he is uh, uh, a homeless. He's gay. Because he's gay. Because right? he's gay. That's why because he touts has, it. That's why he and, promotes and it. And because he has a, uh, a wife. Or is he the wife? No, he's the wife. Because uh, he talks about his husband. I don't correct? know which one is which. I yeah. think they both well, call well, each other anyway, husbands. Way we you know, works with this people. phobia thing is a is a big trick. Uh, you know, like uh, you're a homophobe. You're you know, uh, Islamophobe. You're, you're a racist. They, yeah. they just they just break people down. They are disrespecting the humanity of and and the individualism. I mean, hey, uh, if I if I took uh, if I got points for getting into college for uh, my background, you know, which is quite some years ago, that has nothing to do with with you as an individual, where you grew up. My my parents had like three years of formal education between them, and it's you make you make a life of your own. And now these uh, this victimization stuff that they're putting on people. There, there, there. There's a great saying about the, uh, you know, not 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 letting people, uh, let, letting that victimization thing. There's, there's I, I have it written down. I wish I. I well, I, I think I get your point, Jan, because it's kind of what I was talking about before, and I thank you for the phone call. And, and, and the victimization, like I said before, the more victim points you get, the more woke points you get, the better you better off you are. Pete Buttigieg, just can't, he can't go five minutes without criticizing Mike Pence, whose Christianity opposes um, gay marriage, because if he criticizes Mike Pence, it reminds everybody, I'm gay, I get woke points, I'm a victim. There are people who hate gays in this country and in this world, and I am one of them, so therefore, you have to feel sorry for me. Feel sorry for me with your votes, please. Jesse Smollett, I'm black and I'm gay. I've got two victimizations. You've got to support me. Tell, tell the, uh, the producers you want to see me in more roles. I deserve more money. I'm popular now. I mean, being 
a victim or being a member of a victim class brings clout. And it brings uh, a lot of other benefits as well. This is exactly what we're talking about. Jeff in Beachwood next. Hi, Jeff. You're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, hi, Bob. Um, I think this, what's happening now with this diversity thing, and, and all of it, everything that's surrounding what's going on in our society, all these crazy things from the LGBT to the diversity thing to letting, you know, dropping the standards, really, to me, uh, speaks about an abdication of the Republican Party. And I wouldn't say the conservative movement, because the conservative movement has tried to push back. But the idea of staying away from the social issues because they were afraid to touch on them. I mean, if you leave the field open, they will continue to run. And until we push back against them, uh, this is going to just go on because we're basically letting them. When you stop and think about it. Well, we don't have a choice, do we? What do we do? What do, we do? Jeff, Jeff, what do we do? Well, How do we push back we against have, them? Tell I'll me. Tell you, we have to push back by saying the uh, fundamental idea of Western society is the opposite of tribalism. That the, the the individual, the individual is the unit of uh, and the family is the unit that that matters, and that's the benefit for the individual and for society. Imagine if we keep going the way we're going. Are you going to be happy getting on a plane with a pilot? It got into uh, pilot school because of his diversity, because he's gay, or you want a surgeon taking care of you. We will all suffer for that. The whole benefit to society of the individual is. It gives each individual to reach their freedom and the ability to reach this potential to the benefit of the greater society. And the guy who can't cut it doing one thing, he's got to find you know, a way to do something else. What this is going to do is create, at best, mediocrity. And we're all going to suffer from that. And that's something that we need to speak about. You know, they talk about fairness, fairness, so they kind of get us, you know, in a, in a spot like, you know, like we're caught. You know, you we're there. But we're not dead. We've got to make the counter-argument. The counter-argument is there's a cost to everything. And they always just focus on the benefit. They don't ever look at what is the cost of that benefit. And the cost of that benefit is to society is tremendous. It, it means you're discouraging people from striving for excellence. It's your, you're depriving society of the benefit of excellent people. Um, and uh, that's not the it's not fair to everybody. So we got to make Jeff, a counter-argument that's a moral one. It's not a, one of the problems the Democrats always, the Republicans, always seem to make a, either a financial argument or a, uh, you know, we do it better argument. They don't make a moral argument. You know, and that's what the, the Democrats are doing. They're turning everything to a moral issue by saying, well, we're racist, we're haters. No matter how good our ideas are, they are going to say, well, I can't vote for that guy because he's a hater. Right, we've got to push back here. We are not haters, Jeff. Right? It's a great, it's a, it's a great, uh, it's a great message. It's, yeah, it's a great message, and it's a great phone call. And I really appreciate you making it because um, you're right on so many fronts. You know, it's funny he used the uh, he used the pilot thing to talk about life and death. Right? Do we want um, less than capable or less than the very best pilots flying us from here to there be, who got into flight school only because of the diversity quota? Because there had to be a certain number of minorities or women or Muslims or this or that or there. Or do we want just the best students to go into flight school because our lives are in their hands? I could take that further. I could take that further. My daughter is going to be a freshman at Hillsdale this fall. One of the reasons why she chose Hillsdale and one of the reasons why I agreed and signed off on Hillsdale 
because they're one of a very, 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 very select few schools in America that take zero dollars of federal funding, zero tax dollars, not nickel one. Why? Because when you take those federal dollars, you are forced to comply with those federal diversity rules that you're talking about. And non-qualified students get spots in the freshman class over more highly qualified students simply to color up the campus. And that is not something they are about meritocracy. If you're good enough, we want you to come here. It doesn't matter if you're white, yellow, brown, purple, or green with with, uh, with orange polka dots. You're welcome here if you're good enough. And we're not going to let the federal government dictate our admissions policies to us. So when you get into Hillsdale, for example, you get in because you made it, because you're good enough, not because you were given woke points or diversity points or adversity score points like we're talking about. So let's take that. And now let's let, let's expand that, and I'm, and I'm just using my daughter because my daughter's plans are uh, medical school uh, in four years. Let's think about think about this for a second. Because of adversity points applied to somebody's SAT score, somebody gets a spot in a freshman class at a prestigious university. Okay, let's just assume for a second. And while they're there, they might not be doing so well because they weren't qualified to be at that good school. And once the university realizes that not enough of our diversity or adversity students are graduating, that looks terrible. It looks like we are biased against them in some way. What are they going to do? They're going to apply diversity and adversity points to their scores to help them graduate. And then what happens when you get one of these graduates who didn't earn the degree the right way but who got more adversity points added to their scores in their courses. They want to go to medical school the way my daughter does. And then what happens? What if the medical school also changes their admissions policy to reflect adversity points? Okay, your MCATs weren't quite up to snuff, but we are, the way the college board did with the SATs, we're going to add your background. It was really rough where you grew up. It was really rough in your circumstances. So you might not be good enough, but you're in. And then what happens? Well, all of our minority <clears throat> diversity slash adversity uh, accepted medical school students are failing out. They're not becoming doctors. It makes us look terrible. What are we going to do? Well, let's add some adversity points to their scores in their courses. And then suddenly somebody is walking across a stage with a medical degree and a license to practice medicine who is less than, let's just say, competent at taking care of your health. And you might say, yeah, Bob, that's pretty extreme, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But is it impossible? No. If you're going to apply adversity points to help kids get into college, where does that stop? How about through college, and then how about getting them onto postgraduate degrees? Doesn't that strike anybody as just, I don't know, stupid? You, you can't take people and say, well, they could have been really, really qualified if they grew up under different circumstances and say, so we're going to let them in anyway. You can't do that because they didn't grow up under those circumstances and thus they are not qualified. And we don't want not qualified people doing very, very important life, uh, uh, potentially life-saving or life-threatening type of work. Uh, and quite frankly, we also don't want people who did grow up in a nice environment who achieved and earned to lose their spot in a freshman class and have to go to a substandard school, a second, third, or a fourth choice school, 
because they lost their spot to somebody who got more adversity points. I know I'm late. It's 9.54. Back after this. Uh, 9.58. We'll try to squeeze in another call here or two before the bottom of the hour. TJ's been waiting the longest, or excuse me, the top of the hour, rather. TJ, go ahead. You're on the air. All right, TJ, maybe are you someday, there? Hello. There he is. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, the way things are going, you know, maybe someday my German Shepherd could be, uh, you know, I'll make it into Harvard. You know, she doesn't think she's a person. I mean, a dog, she thinks she's a person. That's got to be worth some adversity points. And just imagine what she could do on their football and track team. But the reason I called, Bob, this Medved interview, not Medved, but Hewitt uh, uh, interview this morning with Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete, Pete? yeah. What a softball interview. I got no problem with a libtard coming on his show for an interview, but I wanted to hear him ask questions like, what did he think about the new Green Deal of his party? What did he think about the thousand illegals pouring across our border? Maybe ask him a question about his dismal record as the mayor of a small college town. Uh, why didn't he ask? I, I don't disagree. He the asked them up, and he served them up softballs yeah, uh, to he, put in his wheelhouse. I here's the thing, though. I'll tell you about Hugh. Here's the thing. I'll tell you about Hugh, TJ. I, and I do understand your point. Believe me. And sometimes I'll listen to interviews like that, and I'll get frustrated and say, oh, "I would have asked this." But here's the thing: when I ask questions like that, guess what? That's the first and last interview I get. Interview I get with a person like that. And now I've really kind of cut off my nose despite my face. Hugh knows he's going to need him back on. Hugh knows that he is going to uh, have him back on probably many times between now and a lot of the other Democrats, too, be, between now and the time the Democratic uh, National Convention happens and the primaries happen. And if they see Hugh as a, as a, uh, you know, a guy who's coming after them, they're not going to come on. They're just going to stick to their interviews on MSNBC and CNN where they'll get constant softball. So it, my, Hugh is playing a long game here. Um, Hugh is not going to always stay with that line of questioning. He's going to establish the rapport in the relationship. He's going to make him feel comfortable to come back. And then the next time he'll pick it up a little bit and ask a little bit more. And then the next time it'll be a little bit more, a little bit, it'll be a little bit more aggressive until we start demanding the, he'll start demanding the answers to him, to embarrass, um, uh, Buttigieg. But, but, uh, Hugh is very tactful and he's very tactical. Two different words. He is tactful and he is tactical. For instance, did you notice he asked him about the um, uh, about the nuclear triad, which of the three is most important, the three elements of the nuclear triad, and Pete Buttigieg had no answer for it. So he said, well, speaking more broadly, here's how I feel about our nuclear blah, blah, blah. Uh, he doesn't know what the nuclear triad is. You could tell. Hugh exposed that Buttigieg did not know what the nuclear triad was. That's why he didn't answer the question directly. He just went off into a, a let's talk about our national defense. Um, that's the little kind of, um, I don't know, these, those little tricks that you will play, these little things that'll slip into an interview just to kind of expose something and then make more of it later on. So, uh, I do understand your point, but pl- let you play the long game there because I think he knows what he's doing on that. I really do. All right. It's 10 one. We'll get news now. We'll come right back again. We're going to talk about the president's release yesterday of, uh, his proposal that he would like Congress to consider to solve our immigration issues. We'll talk about that coming up on AM 1420. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.